Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon by Pastor Hank Wilson, presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7 FM. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. We will begin service in our multi-purpose building on our campus. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth, again at 11 a.m. If you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord again for the second week in a row. Isn't it awesome to be back? Well, again, welcome to the house of the Lord. Glad that you're here with us today. Our hearts and our minds for worshiping Him. Let's, for this opportunity that we have to once again be in your house, that we may be encouraged and edified by the coming together which you have called us to in Hebrews. And not neglecting that, but coming together, being encouraged and edified by the means of grace, those things which you have established for our own strengthening. By being encouraged and lifted up in song and hymn, encouraged by one another, strengthened by your Holy Spirit. May your Spirit be with us today and guide us. May you, O Lord, our High Priest, accept that which is uh, not pleasing that we offer today in worship to our Father, which is riddled even with sin unintentionally, that you as our high priest would take that and perfect it and offer it at the feet of God the Father, that he may be pleased in what is offered today in worship of him. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, that is one that I chose to test to see if you could do it without reading it in the hymnal. Those of you that read music know... um, that you probably need to be reminded how that actually goes as you're reading it. The rest of you hopefully are able to do it by memory. Uh, And then the rest of you, like me, just muddled through it and figured it out as we went through it, right? That's okay. This is a um, continued uh, growth and and, an opportunity for us to work on our sanctification. So it's good. It's all good. Well, let's turn in our Bibles and let us continue uh, worshiping God uh, through the preaching and teaching of His Word as we look together in Galatians chapter 5. If you are able, I will ask, since you just sat down, I will ask that you stand back up and hear the Word of God read. Just a few verses um, from Galatians chapter 5. We will look at verses 16 through 24, but we're really going to focus on that verse 22, being the fruit of the Spirit. Hear the word of the Lord read. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that these, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Thank you. you may be seated. Almighty God, we come before you now hearing your word and alone standing upon it, knowing that it is truth. In a world in which so much turmoil and angst and false information, false realities, all these things exist, O oh Lord, under your watch. We know that above all there stands your word, which is truth. Help us, O oh Lord, to stand upon this truth, to be encouraged and strengthened by your truth. Help us to always turn back to your truth. Help us to not revolt against its authority, but to believe it. Work faith in us even today as we hear your word again, O Lord. Anoint my lips, Lord, as I come as a broken vessel, no different than those outside of calling that sit and hear your word. Strengthen me, O Lord, so that the words that are spoken today are the words of Christ. May your spirit move in our hearts and our minds, and we may be strengthened once again to faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen and amen. So last week, you remember, we looked at this uh, division, this tug, this war within, uh, at this, this uh, pulling one way or the other, right? This to the desires of the flesh and to the spirit. And the Christian then wrestling with this war is kind of walking by the Spirit. Paul is calling them to move and, and to walk in this manner, to be led by the Spirit rather than the desires of the flesh. And so here we come to this wonderful passage. And like I said, I want us to spend a lot of time in verse 22 because I think some of us, if we've grown up in the church, we've memorized it and we've studied it and we've learned it. We think we have it, and so then we can move on and forget it. But I think today it's good for us to pause and to reflect upon the fruit of the Spirit. The first one that I want us to look at, obviously, as we go in order, is love. Now here I think Tina Turner was correct. You probably remember the words and are probably already singing the tune in your head. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it, she says. Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I think Tina Turner has it correct when she draws this line between physical attraction and love, because love is greater than physical attraction. On the flip side, she also says that love is only a secondhand emotion. There I think she's incorrect. I think 
we may treat it that way. Many of us, even as Christians, may look at love as something you fall in and out of, or love as something that, that moves you internally, and it's just merely an emotion within. That, that somehow love is what you feel, and only what you feel. And we all know that the flip side of that is when we don't feel love, then we aren't loving. But the Christian is called to love. Love is something deeper and more meaningful than just an emotion or how we feel. It may manifest itself in an expression of love, romance. That may be one way that we see it and express it. But that alone is not love. We need to be very mindful of what love actually is. Now, I'm not going to spend, because I don't have the time, uh, or I do have the time, I don't want to take the time to uh, totally expound on what love actually is. It would take all afternoon and then some. And maybe one day we will do that. But today I just want to hit the highlights, the wave tops, just to remind us what love is so that we are not confused. So that we aren't um, looking outside of Scripture and believing what the world is selling about this idea of love. Or that we're not reaching inside and making it whatever we want. We live in a world today where whatever you think and whatever you feel, well, that trumps everything else. And that's what is primary. And it doesn't matter what the reality is or what life around you is, is saying that love is or whatever God's Word says that love is. It's what I feel or what I am experiencing. Brothers and sisters, that would be wrong. Scripture clearly teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is and very many more passages. So we're going to look at that this morning. It's very complex. We're going to unpack it a little bit because I want us to understand to address this term love, to understand what Paul is talking about in the fruit of the Spirit being love, we must note three things. The source, the nature, and the purpose. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the source. The source of this thing called love. When Linda and I were first married, we had uh, the great honor of going to a Five Love Languages conference. And many of you may remember that conference coming in the late 80s, early 90s, and even further, the book still in publication by Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman. And I remember some of those events being in the conference. I remember some of the things that he said, some of the stories that he said. But I have a beef, if you will, with the book itself as I revisited it again. And I'm not here to uh, spend a whole lot of time on the great work that Dr. Chapman has presented and how many marriages he may have helped. But there's something missing in the book. First of all, he actually ties love to the emotional health of an individual. And there I would say he has gone awry because he's tying it to the emotion and solely to the emotion. And the rest of the book then, and the five love languages, which may or may not be helpful and may or may not be true, all of those things are then based off of this emotion. And I think there's a better way to look at love. Also in the book, I'm afraid that he's uh, gearing its 
writing toward more of a psychological bent rather than a Christian theology, much like Tina Turner's song. And so we need to be very mindful that even as Christians, as we read these books, these sources, uh, they can be very helpful in some ways, but they can also not be helpful. They can also misguide us or confuse us. And I think if you were to not have uh, the understanding of what love is from a, a, a biblical perspective and just jumped into that book to help your marriage, you may come away with some things that aren't very helpful. So Linda and I attended the conference. It was early in our marriage, so we were very excited to be there because we needed all the help we could get. The honeymoon was over, and reality had set in. We attended it with some other couples from our Sunday school class, but, but our best friends at the time. And they went through this same conference. And we gleaned some things, and we learned some things from it. Now, we have survived over 26 years of marriage, or should I say, I have survived over 26 years of marriage, my wife enduring me, teaching me and training me, loving me, good example of how to love. But the couple that went with us did not survive. As a matter of fact, they were divorced a few years later. How is that? possible. Both of us went to the same conference. We heard the same words. Yet, they are divorced. We are still married happily, I might add. Why? Well, could it be that there was some confusion, some misunderstanding, if you will, as to what was being conveyed? Could it be that there was a misunderstanding of what love actually was? And as they were listening to the conference and hearing the speaker, there were truths to be gleaned. But the normal, basic presupposition underlying the truth and what love is might have been missing. It also could have been because at the end of this, my takeaway was that love was something that I could produce. Love was something that came from within. And we need to be very careful to take what is rightfully God's and make it ours. The source of love, then, even at the end of this conference, was misguided. The source of love is only found in God through Jesus. The source of love is only found in God through Jesus. It's not something that comes from within you. I'll clarify that in just a moment. It doesn't start with us, maybe an, another way to put it. Romans 5.5 5 is great to have in mind here when uh, Paul is speaking to the Roman church. And he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God pours out His love to us and it goes into our hearts. So who then is the source of love other than God Himself. God is love. Here may be an allusion to Pentecost, the same pouring out of the Holy Spirit onto the Christians in Acts 2. But it is the love of God, not our love for God, God's love for us. God producing this love and then putting it in 
to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The love of God poured out to a sinner. John Murray says in his commentary on Romans, this very verse and passage, he says, the Holy Spirit is the seal of its efficacy and genuineness. The Holy Spirit then seals this love of God in our heart. We we know it, we understand it, only because God exhibits and, and shows us through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit then solidifies it and makes it effectual in our life. It is important that we not think that we are the source of love, but that we know the truth, that God alone is the source of love in our hearts. Once we understand this, once we stop taking what is rightfully God's, and we understand that it is coming from God, then we can understand, secondly, the nature of love. What is the nature of love? So if God is the source, then the nature. Paul speaks of love here, and I'm not going to get into all the different Greek terms and and how you can uh, look at love and and how love is used in the Bible. We may do that another day. But here, the word agape, love. The King James may translate this as charity, and in the French is share, or Latin, carus. But because this term charity has lost uh, meaning over the years, I think it best be understood as love. But when you read charity in an older version, it's the same thing. Agape is what is meant. Agape, the love that God has for us that was poured out on the cross through Jesus Christ, shown to us by God. God is love, isn't He? We know that God isn't just a producer of love. God is love, which makes our source even better. It makes sense that the source of love then is love itself. 1 John 4, 8 Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. 1 John 4.16 Because once isn't enough, right? So we have come to know and to believe that uh, the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. Love and our Father are so connected It is His very nature. That it makes sense that He is the source. It makes sense that it comes from Him. But it doesn't just come from Him. The other part of the nature that we must see is that it is exhibited and shown to us through Jesus Christ. The work of Christ. How is it that we know that God loves us? Well, He pours out His love through the work of Jesus Christ who was dead, who died, was buried and raised again for the sins of the world. This love exhibited in His Son, Jesus Christ, a love for His Son, love for His people, played out before our eyes in history and as we read in Scripture through the death of Jesus Christ. Douglas Moo, another commentator on uh, Romans, says, sending his son to die for people who refuse to worship him, the basic connotation of ungodly, reveals the magnitude of God's love 
for us. You ever sit back and think about God's love for you? You ever just pause and say, Lord, why me? Why would you even think about saving me? What did I do? The answer is nothing. It's God's grace alone and His love that's exhibited. Love is something given to us by God. It's made effectual by the Holy Spirit. All of this a part of God's grace for us. Nothing produced within us. Another way to really look at this nature, now that we understand the source, is that love is something that we transfer. We don't produce it, but we transfer it. This is very important for us to understand. John Murray again says the hearts of believers are regarded as being suffused with the love of God. It controls and captivates their hearts. The love of God poured out on us is not just something exhibited to us, but it's also something that we have been given. It becomes a part of our very being, our heart. This is going to sound very spiritual because it is. There's not an exact formula to show you how this works necessarily, but this through faith is grasped by a Christian. That we say we we may not fully understand the love of a father for the son or love of the father for the people, but we believe it. And we have faith and we trust. Paul then encourages these Christians to not only love, but to transfer that love. To then take that love and having the Holy Spirit as the source to show that love, to share that love, to love our neighbor as ourself, he says in Galatians 14. Go back and look. He says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not as if we are just receivers of love. We are actually transferring said love. This love of God to the world, to our neighbor. Now, I don't know how many gearheads are in the room, uh, how many people love uh, automobiles or vehicles, but most of you know that I drive a Jeep, and I'm very proud of that simply because I I love four-wheel drive and I love Jeeps and I I love to go off-road when I can. But let me share with you, there is a very important part on the Jeep, and that part is called the transfer case. You see, the transfer case in and of itself does not produce any energy. It isn't a motor. As a matter of fact, it's not even a transmission. It is another part. It takes the energy produced by the motor that goes through the transmission and sends that energy to different axles, whether it be two, four, or more. And it makes sure that those axles are all in line so that the wheels are spinning at the same rotation. Now, the transfer case is probably something you never heard of because it's a transfer case. Nobody really tries to sell, outside of the Jeep world, a vehicle based off of the transfer case. It's the motor, the tires, or or some of the things that flashy things on the inside. 
This is much like the Christian involved in loving the world and loving neighbor. We are merely transfer cases. Now, most of us don't like to look at ourselves as tools or instruments, but we are. In belonging to God, God uses us as this transfer case so that as the source, He's producing love, giving us love through the Holy Spirit, and then transferring it to our neighbor. See, this puts things in a different perspective, doesn't it? See, it's not me producing. I am merely transferring the love of God to the world around me. And once we understand that, then we can understand the third point. That is, the purpose. The purpose of love. What is all, what is all that for? What do I get out of it may be our question, right? Well, well, well if it's not mine and it's a source that comes from God and it's, it's something the Holy Spirit uh, you know, kind of brings through me, then what is the benefit for me? Love is to be practiced. Still not really about you, other than you are the instrument. You are the one practicing. See, we get the questions wrong when we don't understand the source and the nature of love. But here we know Paul says elsewhere that the best practice that a Christian can, can be engaged in, the best thing that Christians can do, is to love. We read that throughout his writings, right? Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What if Christians stopped trying to do everything else and, and began to practice love? What might the world look like? What might our churches look like? What might our communities look like? Our families? So on and so forth. What if we practiced love? You see, there are really there's one main purpose and then a secondary purpose cause or effect of love in the world. The first is, most importantly, as we know, is to glorify God. You see, if we were more than transfer cases, then the love would be ours. The glory would be ours. But it is not. It is God's. God is the source of this love. You know, when the former director of ONA was here, Mike Jones, he reminded us, what's the opposite of love? It's not hate, it's apathy. The opposite of love is apathy. It's being indifferent, it's being apathetic toward someone or something. How often are we apathetic toward God and glorifying Him and worshiping Him? And then, how often are we apathetic toward our neighbor and loving them, serving them. So love must be practiced. Love is something that doesn't come from within that is natural for us. But it is something that we must practice in our lifetime. When we do not practice love, we are not glorifying God. We are not recognizing that God is the source of love. That God is love. Jesus even speaks to this multiple times, doesn't He? But Matthew 22, 34-40. He says, But when the Pharisees heard that He had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Him a question to test Him. Teacher, which is the great commandment 
in the law. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We have a wonderful opportunity before us in the world that we live in to love our neighbor. But that cannot be primary to giving glory to God. The greatest commandment is to love God. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Do we love God? Do we love the things of God? Do we love who God says that He is? What do we like to pick and choose? We love this part about God, but maybe not this part. We like this part of the Bible, but not this part of the Bible. See, loving God with all of our being is what we are called to do. And when we mimic the nature of God, the very being of God that is given to us through His Holy Spirit, and we practice this, then He is being worshipped. He is being glorified. He is being honored. Unless you abscond with that, unless you believe you are the source, then God will receive the glory. And sometimes, even when you do, try to take it away. God will be glorified. We don't always know what that looks like. Many of you know that I've also done marriage counseling for many, many years. And in the Navy as a chaplain, I spent a lot of my time doing counseling. I still continue to do marriage counseling, and, and um, I'm very sensitive to use these as illustrations, so it's very generic for a reason. But there was a couple one time that came into my office, and like many other couples, I couldn't even have them sit on the couch together because they were just like cats and dogs. They just didn't even want to see one another. They were angry at one another. They didn't like one another. And the first thing that comes up is, you know, well, divorce. They don't want to be together. And, and here comes this couple into my office, and she's in tears, and she's just frustrated beyond. She can't get him to understand where she's coming from. She can't get him to understand how to love her. And he is very apathetic, indifferent. He's done. He's ready to move on. This is too much work, he says. I don't want to learn how to love. We just want to cut our losses. Well, through a lot of prayer and two years of counseling and practicing love, their marriage survived. And I'll never forget what she came and said to me. They came and said to me, she specifically at the end. And she says, you saved our marriage. Boy, let me tell you, I felt good about myself. I felt like the best marriage counselor. Maybe I should write a book. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I need to package everything that I walked them through and put it in a nice little, and I could sell this. That's absconding with God's glory. Rather, my response to her was to God be the glory. God be praised. You know, I didn't save your marriage. God saved your marriage. Because God is love. Because God only shows me what love is. 
as a transfer case so that I may show you how to practice love. I'm no better, no greater. But if we're not careful and we take what is rightfully God's, we're wrong. We need to understand what the, love, what the order of love is. We need to understand the source of love. We need to understand what we are to do with this love. All these things I really don't have time to talk about, but only to be a primer for you to say, the source of love is God Himself. And you are merely an instrument being used by God in the world. You know, let me just pause here for a second. I'm going to step out here. I'm, a, I'm very ashamed of some of us in our response to the world right now. I am very ashamed. The hate, the inability to love, we need to be very careful in sharing with the world something that is not Christ-like and loving. Okay, back. We need to understand the order. We need to understand the source, that God is the source of love. He is love. He not only exhibited it, but He poured it out onto us. And it's made effectual through the Holy Spirit in our life. So we do have the ability to transfer this love. Not produce it, but to transfer it. We must understand that we are an instrument that God uses in this world so that He may receive the glory. He'll receive the glory through our witness, through His work of the Holy Spirit, and in our spiritual growth. See, a secondary part of this is that we are growing spiritually. We learn to love. We learn to be more like Christ. We practice so that we may be more like Christ. It's not an excuse to say, God is the source, I'm merely the transfer case, so I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. No, we must practice love. Practicing love has saved marriages. Save churches, save countries, governments, people, his church. And in closing, how then do we accomplish this practice of love? How do we avoid being apathetic to God and his work and his world? How do we avoid being apathetic toward our neighbor? How do we avoid not showing love? How do we avoid all of these things? I'm going to give you three things quickly. Prayer. If God is the source, we must completely depend on Him in prayer. We must be on our knees praying that God not only would remind us of the Gospel, but help us to practice the Gospel. Help us to practice loving Him and our neighbor. And brothers and sisters, this is a continual prayer. Paul says pray without ceasing. Why do you think that he says that? Because we need it. On our own, we cannot do it. We must be a people of prayer. We must be a people of practice. We've been in this time of social distancing. We cannot be a people who sits around and does nothing. We must practice love. And you know what that means? It means we've got to get with the people we don't necessarily love so we can learn to love them. It means we've got to come to church. Hello. It means we've got to speak to our spouse. It means we've got to 
hang out with our family. It means we've got to go out into the world with the people that don't even like us. How dare they? And learn to love them. And we must remember the Gospel. When we come to God in prayer, we remember that God's love is poured out to us. When we practice, why do we practice? We practice because we can look to God and the the Gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, and we can understand that that is the greatest example of love that we know in our life. John Murray again says, it is the love of God to believers, a love that suffers no inflection or reverse. The love of God doesn't change based off of how we feel or what we think in the moment. And lastly, patience. We must realize it is a process that is only completed when Christ returns. Love is not easy to do. Love is something that takes work on our part. When we think of perseverance of the saints, this is what we mean. Growing in love for one another. Growing in love for our church. Growing in love for our town. Growing in love for our spouse. Growing in love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must be patient. Prayer, practice, and patience. May we be a people who learn to love. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, for Your grace and Your mercy, for Your love which is poured out on us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. How often we forget to reflect upon this. May we, O Lord, be a people who turn to You in our heart and mind and through faith receive the Gospel again and again and again that we may love You above all and love our neighbor as ourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here today. It's good to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord. Now receive the benediction and let us be dismissed. Now the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, who has loved you with an everlasting love and gives you everlasting life, now support you with the everlasting arms in these days and all the days until Jesus comes again. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use his word to impact the lives of his people and to draw the lost to himself. As he says in Isaiah 55:11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706-250-6834. Again, that is 706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your check your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday 
at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.